Hi, Atul Gopal from Plugin India and welcome to the 37th edition of our podcast. Uh, we have uh, Arun Vinayak as our guest today. Uh, let's start by telling you a little bit about Arun, IIT Madras graduate and spent seven years as a founding partner at Ethan Energy where he was looking after as a chief product officer. Been responsible for helping build up India's first vertically integrated electric people to wheeler ecosystem. In October 2020, uh, he has started a new company called Exponent Energy and that's what we are going to be discussing. So thank you for taking the time out. Welcome to Plugin India, Arunji. No, oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, Arun, uh, one of the questions that kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, you've been a Bangalore boy and uh, you kind of had a very good experience with uh, Ather. So let's start with that Ather part of your journey, right? So IIT Madras, of course, was where all of you guys met and got incubated, right? But tell us about the initial days of uh, your life at Ather because that was something which I'm sure a lot of people would like to listen to start with. Right. Uh, I think back then, uh, building EVs wasn't uh, very popular. It's sort of a lonely journey. Very few, I think, deep uh, believers here and there around India. Uh, actually, even around the world, it was fairly few. You could count uh, in your hand the number of people who believed in the number of organizations going behind electric vehicles back then. I, I mean, I built my first car when I was in 11th grade and uh, it was like a second-hand project, like a lot of scrap parts put it together and sort of drove it. It didn't have brakes, but it's quite fun, right? And uh, so the journey to build Anything automotive started quite early and it sort of chased that during through college. Met wonderful people there. A lot of people who joined the a lot of people who joined Exponent, a lot of people I met. Uh, Swapil was a deep friend who we built a lot of projects together. And uh, it started off as, I think, hey, let's build batteries. And uh, but then, you know, there was no one else building vehicles. So uh, we sort of had to build the whole uh, system. And it started off as a geek project saying, hey, let's just start playing around with batteries, let's see what happens. And I think very quickly we believed in the power of electric vehicles. Uh, sure, they're green and all of that, but we truly believe EVs are better than petrol vehicles. Like they're the next step in evolution. Like every technology has gotten better and better and it's about time that vehicles just got better, you know, better on performance, better on drive, better on just overall uh, sex appeal, better on uh, stability and dynamics, right? And EV, like what minute we sort of, looked at this motor battery, started playing around with it. And we didn't have a legacy, right? We didn't have an existing frame. We didn't have anything, which is both the negative and the positive for us, uh, right? So we had a clean slate. And I think it gave us a very good understanding that, hey, now electric vehicles completely change the rules of what vehicles can be, right? It, it changes the rules on how you can design vehicles and how you can build them. Yeah. And um, I think that was the big aha moment saying, listen, if we can rethink how this vehicle is built, uh, we can actually build a scooter that's the best scooter, period. It sort of just happens to be electric. And that was our product philosophy. Uh, that's what we chased very blindly, actually. Uh, we just truly believe that they're building the best scooter uh, across all categories. And I think we came close. I think we did a lot of things very well. Uh, a lot of things we continue to chase. Uh, but uh, we launched our first product in 2018 and I think people really liked the product. Uh, we had no issues selling, I think we had issues making it and uh, two years we started fixed though. Uh, when you said chief product officer, uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of FMCG companies, when you say you're a product manager, it typically means you look after advertising and branding and all that. So was that really your role or were you more in the tech part? So, so I, uh, hardcore tech, so my, my job was to deliver the product. 
was to define the product and deliver it. So in hardware and deep tech companies, the product team decides the strategy. What are we building? It's a little bit of what the market wants on one end, and it's a little bit of hey, what what does technology allow us? Right. And the answer is somewhere in between. Like okay. you ask a marketer, you want something aspirational, and the technology is sort of far behind. Uh, so we try to pull technology up. We try to find the right way to packages and create a sensible product. Right? And that's what the product team job is. So it's 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 I would say thirty percent understanding customer, seventy percent understanding tech and how to put the buildings different building blocks together. Arun, a lot of projects get kind of into this featureitis mode, if you understand what that is, like, you know, where where the product team or uh, whoever is in marketing kind of, you know, tries to load too many things into it and the project kind of gets delayed. And Ether, in a sense, was a kind of a, a lot of people felt was a, a little bit of a delayed kind of a product because the kind of time that you guys had spent. Assume, of course, uh, crediting the fact that you were starting from scratch. So uh, do you think in your stint over there, did you face this disease at at us as a project? Yeah, so I, I think I think the need, the aspirational, I think every company goes through this phase, right? Like you set out and you have a very high benchmark for yourself and you're trying to meet it. Uh, so at some point in time, I think real, real, realism sets in, sort of have to find the balance. Uh, I think I think every company goes through a maturity curve. Uh, I, I think if you, if you looked at early stories of Tesla, I think I think and when I read that, I could completely relate. Uh, some of the refinements in hindsight, yeah, sure, maybe you didn't have to do it, but but it's also the DNA that you are turning up at work every day to build the best product. Drive sorts of sets you in a particular direction. It, it requires, and I think growing up and maturing also requires for both the company and for all of us required us to sort of find ways around that, find the right balance. But also, I think also put in perspective, uh, building products from scratch wasn't a thing in India, right? When, like, honestly, like uh, when we were building it at Ether, like we couldn't just hire someone from some other company who's built a frame because really it wasn't done before, right? Like, because most automotive platforms were fairly inherited. Yeah. Right? Uh, and people did very incremental innovation over No, no dis discredit, but we had brand new tech and we we're also building a brand new sort of product from scratch in an ecosystem that otherwise didn't understand this. And I'm, I'm talking design engineers, I'm talking supplier base, none of that. Uh, sort of even existed or even wanted to work on it. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that was a huge challenge. And uh, uh, yes, I, I think definitely there were things that we could have done faster, been, been better and been more efficient. But I think that's more hindsight knowledge. Cool. Now, uh, what you're doing today is very synergistic with what people like Aether are doing. So so at some point of time, did the Aether team not think that what you're doing could have been done in-house at Aether itself? What made you kind of uh, chart out your own path from there? If I can kind of ask you to throw your thoughts on that. So definitely, it's not like I didn't try. So I actually did uh, lead the platform play within Aether, right? So trying to see uh, around the 2018-2019 timeline after we had launched and proven our tech. Uh, at the same time, India also was getting far more prime to go electric. Right? That's when the fame took it in. Uh, the government was incentivizing all sorts of EV programs. A lot of OEMs started popping up. And I think a lot of OEMs did approach Aether. And we actually, I actually led the discussions on trying to understand, hey, can we use our tech and sort of synergize, right? But uh, Aether is a fully vertically integrated stack, right? So as a product, I, we made crazy decisions for us, which only makes sense for our customers in context of our product, right? You you also can't take the same thing and give it to someone else. Uh, 
it doesn't it didn't make sense for ether and it didn't make sense for the other oems buying our tech as well so you just can't build a horizontal and a vertical in the same company it's it's just complete chaos so uh, so it's sort of we need to have focus and and ether is building building a fully vertical integrated stack what we're doing is actually orthogonal right we are building a horizontal enabler layer at Expo. So, so are we seeing an Android versus Apple kind of a scenario over here where Ether is more an Apple guy and you want to be an Android guy and probably that philosophical difference is... Yeah, yeah. Right. And I think it, it applies. Even before we get into exponent energy, a uh, very generic question. Uh, exponent primarily is trying to enable faster charging, right? That's, I believe, is the mission of the company, so to say, right? And uh, <clears throat> one of the options to fast charging is, is this um, concept called battery swapping. Right, because both of them are trying to deliver the same thing through their own different ways, of course. Right. So how do you how do you see that? So it's a very generic level competition. It's like saying railways competes with uh, Indian Air India, right? So so planes and trains are very different, but at the end of the day, they both are serving the same need, right? So if I were to start by asking you to compare fast charging with swapping, what would you say in terms of like advantages of fast charging versus swapping or vice versa? Right. I think before I get into that, I think I think at Exponent, our job is to simplify energy. And we see energy is a two-sided problem, which is both batteries and charging. And yeah. there are two metrics. But the question is how long do batteries last and how fast can you charge? These are the two metrics. Correct. Correct. If I look at overall those two metrics, sometimes battery swap versus rapid charging is not necessarily uh, even competition because you still need to rapid charge batteries even if you swap them right ironically a lot of inquiries that come to us is from swap players because let's say you have a swap station right and you have five vehicles coming in and out right you need to technically charge the battery in 12 minutes right else you're going to end up stacking up inventory in the back end like crazy right uh, which then makes it really expensive for everyone if you have too much of a battery inventory, then it's very expensive, right? For every yeah. hundred vehicle, you have 2x batteries. My my contention about the charging was more, okay, maybe we've not got into chemistry yet, but but people tell me that uh, you get much better longer life uh, with uh, slow charging, which can happen with swaps versus fast charging, where, of course, you're giving a commitment of life and all that, but <clears throat> what's your take on that? Uh, that that's not true, actually. Like, I, so fundamentally, if you manage batteries quite well, you can rapid charge them. That's what we do. Like cells are pretty dumb, right? They're sort of a tin can with chemical. If you manage them well, they'll behave. If you do a bad job of managing them, then they will degrade, right? So it fundamentally comes down to that. And, and cells understand voltage, current, temperature. This is only the three things that cells understand. If you can build a system that can manage all three really, really well, you can rapid charge cells. And that's what we're doing. On the contrary, uh, I'm not a big believer in swap uh, for a few reasons. Firstly, swap creates that additional inventory of batteries, right? So the rupee per kilometer of going electric on a swap platform is not necessarily as cheap as compared to fixed batteries. Secondly, as a hardcore product guy, if you look at your phones and laptops, batteries stopped being removable almost 10 years ago, right? Uh, because for better performance and safety, you need deeper integration. And this yeah. is for a cell phone where you're okay if the battery degrades in two years. Right? Now you're talking automotive where you want much longer life. The performance requirements are much, much more severe. Right? So you need deeper fixed batteries to really sort of ooze, ooze out that performance. Because everyone can buy the same cells. 
question is who's managing the million and a fixed battery approach allows you to really manage battery life and battery thermals and battery performance right and um, so that's the second reason third reason is if you look at larger vehicles like the commercial vehicles especially if you got a lot of players we work with uh, these batteries are 200 kg 300 kg right so it's impossible to really swap them out unless you're setting up swap stations which completely kill the unit economy other reason is can you commonize batteries across different form factors right it's impossible like that like as a builder it kills creativity like swap as a horizontal enabler is really bad because it it doesn't enable people to build like and the best thing right now is everyone's interested in building EVs so you need a, a platform that can enable people to build whatever they want right small battery large battery fast vehicle slow vehicle i want to build a low voltage battery pack high voltage battery pack there's nothing wrong they're all good answers right but you need a platform that can allow it and swap heavily restricts that right the swap is like saying hey tvs honda bajaj come together all of you use the same engine right it completely kills uh, competition right and i i would say i would say they say use the same fuel tank not the same engine no so 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 in evs a little different like uh, once i standardize the battery right it's really hard to then change the motor performance too much no but that's the same for fuel you could say octane versus normal fuel you know yeah but 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 you know it, it, in ev it, it really sort of constrains the oems if you give them a 2 kilowatt battery pack they can only do so much then well. so so i i get it around i i believe that uh, your ether experience uh, it's kind of uh, framed a set of mind where you think uh, the Cell issues are going to lie in fast charging, and we'll accept that. We'll not debate uh, the swapping versus fast charging, right? But but I believe what Gogoro has done in Taiwan could be something which is interesting. So it's a very good guinea pig kind of experiment that's happening in Taiwan, and it should be interesting to see how it which is out. You're right. There are issues related to standardization which will need to get sorted out, and uh, only then will it make sense. And of course, you can add batteries, so that's that's something which can happen in swapping. Like now, uh, coming to batteries, right? So at Ether, you guys took a decision to go in with NMC. Professor Ashok Chunjunwala at IIT Madras said he was a big fan of NMC because of energy density. Now uh, today, uh, since you are an outsider, you know in, in Ether you kind of took a decision and you had to everybody sticks with that decision. You don't debate it, discuss it, whatever. But now you are you are agnostic to uh, chemistry in some sense. Uh, what would be your take on NMC versus LFP? some 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 point of view from that because you you're in the battery space and this is a, a question that a lot of viewers have okay the one thing i've learned is cells we're just getting started on cell technology and cell technology is is, is every 6 months we're learning something new uh, so getting married to one specific type of cell saying hey this is the best cell like i i think that that loss that approach is 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 in some sense short sighted so we've really worked hard at exponent to be cell agnostic So what we are building is sort of the pipeline that fills up any bucket. We look at cells as buckets, and we fill any bucket up. But you need like a really nice pipeline, right? And that's what we're building. We are able to incorporate any type of cell, LFP or NMC. If I were to make a decision based on today and where cells are today, like hands down LFP for India with our thermal sensitivity market, with the fact that we want uh, most most markets we're looking at least from an exponent point of view today, most markets we're looking at is happy to shave off. a few like add, add on a few kgs and take a hit on weight and volume if uh, if we can give longer life and cheaper cells right and it's a no brainer for most markets in india uh, it's not a no brainer for two wheelers uh, like if you want to build a high performance two wheeler or high performance passenger vehicle it's it's not a 
no brainer but even there i would still choose lfp uh, because even if the cell is heavier the non cell weight you have to add to manage lfp cells is actually lower so it overall balances out right yeah. and so so i mean tesla moved to lfp and we bet heavily on lfp when we started exponent while we can do nmc really no one's asking for it today so so i i think if i were to give you a sense of what the market's asking for today i think it's a lot okay okay so i I'm, i'm hoping uh, to record this and kind of have this uh, sent over to professor junjun while i take his views on that but <coughs> i think energy density is catching up even as far as lfp is concerned everybody is talking today about sodium and uh, you know solid state batteries and all that kind of stuff so uh, a is exponents pipeline going to fill those buckets also or will they require some different kind of piping and second is what's your take on the time to market that these technologies will take to come uh, it's the same pipeline so any ionic cell right as long as you have an ionic sodium or aluminum uh, you need a pipeline you need the same sort of pms system means uh, our software will obviously need to be tweaked but that's fine a big believer in sodium ion as and especially aluminum ion. like have a lot of hope for aluminum uh, much better energy density uh, we can do a lot of interesting things with that uh, aluminum is also a, an al3 plus right so it's got a, a three times uh, more capacity to pass on energy as compared to uh, lithium when will these things get commercialized uh, and i think in some sense lithium ion industry is done a great job right we've sort of set up capacity uh, we've now got sells at a sub 100 dollars that you can pick up and they're all over the world so any of these new chemistries apart from being technically stable sort of need to go deep deeper into investment behind you know setting up the sort of manufacturing uh, at scale right you can't really set up a few gigawatt hour and be competitive like tens of gigawatt hour and you need a system that's running continuously to actually drop that price dollar per gigawatt hour low enough uh that means two things it means setting up large manufacturing investments which is which is honestly the easier but the other bit is creating enough demand right uh for, and sort of coordinating both in one shot so we think of course maybe with, with the larger companies like reliance is getting into it like i'm sure they have the deep pockets to be able to do this uh but you know as exponent we uh we we hope excels keep improving and uh, whenever they're ready we want to just incorporate it into our epac and keep improving our own offering as well uh so i i think it's hard to say but my rough bet is every 3 to 3 to 5 years cool so till then we'll kind of go with lfp which is what uh, you and me probably both are on the same uh, wavelength where we feel that this is what is currently the best kind of solution glancing through your website i i look at the fact that you are making a commitment of about 3000 life cycle uh, you know charging cycles as your life kind of a thing so this of course i'm assuming is for lfp and not for nmc right uh no, 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 people are kind of you know uh questioning is uh, when you're saying a uh, 3000 life cycle warranty uh, at the end of 3000 life cycle what kind of degradation uh, can a user expect you know because uh, warranties are sometimes a bit hazy on these kind of a things you know see for example if i will look at from a vehicle perspective today i have a two wheeler which drives me 100 kilometers and uh, once i finished my 3000 cycles uh, whether it takes 7 years 10 years whatever it is uh, what kind of range can i expect uh, at the end of that warranty life awesome so our current testing is we've done actually 2000 cycles of testing already okay right okay. Uh, so 2000 cycles uh, every cycle is a 15 minute charge followed by a one hour discharge 
right? Yeah. And that's far more aggressive than real life because in real life you have five to six hours to discharge per week. Right? Yeah. So we do the cycles back to back, and we now, after every twenty cycles, we calibrate and we measure, hey, uh, how much degradation has happened, right? And uh, yeah. Uh, we in 2000 cycles of rapid charging we only degraded by 11% wow that's very good yeah. okay so that's 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 really the core of our of our technology and our offering so roughly can i put it that way that in 3000 cycles of 15% degradation which means an 85 km range for a cycle, uh, bike which was already giving 100 km is what we can expect absolutely that's exactly uh, actually what we are we are betting on so in 800 cycles we publicly posted 3.5% degradation um, 2000 we have not publicly announced it yet so it's actually the first time we're actually talking about it outside the company Thank but you. Uh, okay uh, but uh, yeah but it's 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 something we will talk about soon publicly and uh, yeah 50% 3000 cycles that's roughly where we expect uh, this to be at so lfp unlike nmc doesn't actually age with time right it has far less calendar aging compared to nmc because it operates at a lower voltage so so cycle cycle life is generally what uh, creates more so that's another point towards lfp right? and uh, uh, so so yeah so so uh, what faster charging and this flatter life curve does is now you can live with smaller batteries right you don't need 100 kilometers really right you you can live with 50 kilometers if this charge station is proper for minutes and keep it right uh, or you know for a four wheeler maybe 100 kilometers is good enough you don't need 200 so you can basically downsize batteries which makes the upfront purchase of the vehicle cheaper lighter more efficient the vehicle gets more efficient now with lagera on this way uh, and with the flatter life you you can expect doing this for you know 8 years the, the only thing i would counterintuitive though it may sound is a higher battery range compared to usage means a longer life because the number of times a guy will charge or discharge will reduce but for the same driving uh, this you know the same from an oem point of view arun uh, they might want to say it doesn't matter what it is but i'd like to give them a slightly bigger range and charge them more money for, for it so that when i warrant it for number of years yeah you know so they are not like give warranty on life cycles manufacturers for the consumer they still want to look at it in terms of either years or kilometers the end user even if i do smaller batteries and do 15 minute charging and 3000 cycles it's still like 8 years right uh, and i don't think people want to optimize for beyond 8 years sure i mean actually actually as an environmentalist i hope they do because i would want the average ev to be living for at least 25 years but i don't want them to be scrapped in 10 years time it's not done for petrol vehicles i can understand because you got cylinders which are wearing and pistons which are going away but i would be very happy if we can our batteries can last 15 years for example no so i i think that's happening right so like a few years ago we everyone talk talk 5 3 years now 5 years is common now we're already talking 8 years and i i'm i i it's i don't believe we i can easily believe that we can go to 12 years very quick soon right so that will happen but i think more than worrying about uh, recycling of battery i think what's important is we get people to adopt electric asap right because uh, that's doing more, like preventing that adoption is doing more damage than then uh, we'll figure out recycling i think that's sure. the world will figure it out so i think larger batteries unnecessary weight all of this really adds to uh, how hard it is to adopt evs for the larger for whole of india i'm not i'm not talking of the top 10% uh, so i i think we are focusing on that how do you simplify adoption your batteries are ip67 rated etc etc because that's something which automotive is kind of really asking for and i'm assuming that you have that already right yes. 
This episode of the Plugin India podcast is brought to you by our awesome Patreon and YouTube members. For as little as just $1 a month, you can contribute to the work of Plugin India and help keep the channel independent. Once you are a member, you get access to our Discord server where you can interact with the Plugin India team members on a daily basis. Click on the join button on our YouTube channel.